Hi, I'm Angel Halstead. I'm the pastor of Mosaic Community Church. Good morning, Mosaic. Good morning, Mosaic. Good morning, Mosaic family. Good morning, Mosaic. I'm Jessica Richardson, former director of operations. Yes, and I'm AJ Wallace taking over that position. I look forward to meeting you all. I just wanted to jump on really quick and say, have a happy Sunday and enjoy the service. Morning, Mosaic Community Church. We greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we welcome you to our community church in Philadelphia. We're located actually in West Philly. And we are a beautiful mosaic of race and gender from every walk of life. We dare to come together because we have a vision. We think Philadelphia is a great city and we believe a church that reflects the kingdom of God where every race, every ethnicity, every orientation, every social economic condition is welcome in this house. Because we believe worshiping and serving in unity will help our great city be even better. And so you're welcome today and we're happy that you're with us. And we thank you for joining us. We're glad to have you stop by, not just in Philly, but there are people who stop by to our service online all from all over the world. And we're glad because you add to the mosaic, the tapestry that is the kingdom of God. So we want you to know that Jesus is the center of our church community. And it's our desire to be a community that reflects his care, his concern, and his encouragement to others, to everyone. That we all may seek to be spiritually connected, that our lives will be filled with purpose, and that we can live satisfying lives in God. So, today is our first day of our fully recorded services. We ask your patience as we work out our, some of our kinks, but please know this, even though our service is recorded, we're still here and we're with you. So you'll see us making comments and me making comments in chat. And there's a prayer feature included so that if you have a need, if you have a concern, if you just want support and know you're not alone during this epidemic or pandemic that our world is facing, that we're here for you. We'll pray for you. And if you just need conversation, we'll engage you so you know that there are people in this world that are concerned for you. And that your life makes a difference. Not just for God, but for me and for all the kingdom and the world. So feel free to worship God quietly with, in the way you listen. Or if you want to lift your hands as the worship music plays and celebrate the goodness of God, or even if you want to get up and dance, you know what? Be you. Enjoy Jesus with us. Our musical worship is growing and we're returning to reflect the beautiful mixtures of our cultures within our church. And so we enjoy the worship of God and invite you to worship with us. So let's pray for this service today. Our God, we look to you as the center of it all. You are our hope, our peace, you are our strength, and we need you, Lord. And so we come together, Lord, from all over the world to worship your wonderful name and to thank you for all that you've given us. For it's Jesus that's made the difference in our lives. And we pray, Lord, that you would use us not only in your worship today, but as we live to help people see that Jesus can make the difference in every life. This is our prayer. This is our hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Enjoy the worship. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. 
From beginning to the end, it will always be as it's always been you, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus at the center of it all, Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be as it's always been you, Jesus, Jesus, nothing else matters, nothing in this world will do, Jesus, you're the center. Jesus at the center of my life. Jesus at the center of my life. From beginning to the end, it will always be as it's always been new, Jesus. Jesus, nothing else matters, nothing in this world will do, Jesus, you're the center, everything revolves around you, from my heart to the Jesus, 
from my heart to the heavens jesus be the center it's all about you yes it's all about you from my heart to the heavens jesus be the center it's all about you yes it's all about you from my heart to the heavens jesus be the center it's all about you yes it's all about you from my heart to the heavens jesus be the center it's all about you yes it's all about you Pastor Angel asked us each to do a short video answering the question, what does being Jesus-centered mean to you? Um, fundamentally, it means like two really big things for me. One, it means a different way of thinking about and interacting with pretty much everybody else. And then secondly, it means a different way of being and uh, thinking about myself and my own experience and what my journey looks like. In terms of others, I think being Jesus-centered changes our interactions with everyone as a community. Fundamentally, it changes our question from asking, are you there yet? Have you arrived in this place that I'm going to draw a boundary around? To saying, where are you going? Are you headed in the direction? Are you headed towards the center that we're all headed towards? Instead of asking someone to stop and stay, have you stopped at this set of beliefs that I believe in? Have you stopped at this set of cultural practices that I've stopped at? Um, it allows us to ask and said, are you growing towards the middle, the center point in our journey that we're all growing towards? Um, and in that, in that sense, it looks for growth instead of uh, staticness, which I think is really healthy. Instead of, um, as a community, asking us to create a boundary that defines who's in and to police that boundary carefully, and I use the word police um, very intentionally 
these days with all of the sort of state-sanctioned violence that comes along with that term right now. Um, instead of all of that, it allows us to ask and to seek what's going on inside. It's not are you in or out, but it's where are you headed. And so I love that, um, and I think that's really important, and I think that should undergird, and, and does in many healthy ways undergird um, anything that is healthy about our community and creates space for us to have a really healthy and meaningful community because we're focused on where people are headed and where we're headed together as opposed to where we are right now or um, some kind of boundary around who's in and who's out. Secondly, individually, um, being Jesus-centered, I think, um, says exactly what it means. I'm putting Jesus at the center as opposed to myself at the center. And in my own journey, that's, um, that's certainly not easy and definitely not trivial. And when I think about uh, some of the things that are you know, front and center for a lot of us right now, getting myself, my sort of my white male um, straight self out of the center and thinking about what does it look like instead to have a you know, Mediterranean peasant who is a part of a really oppressed, both militarily, politically, et cetera, people group in the center as I think about the journey of my life, that's critical. I think spiritually having you know the, having the spirit at the center as opposed to my own limited energy, my own limited efforts, my own um, limited and damaged sense of priorities and where we're headed, having the spirit at the center with the boundless energy and health and focus and a love that God brings to that obviously is is a huge improvement um, and is and is better in many ways for, for certainly for me probably better in many ways for all of us right um, the more the more that's true and not just a wish um, so those are two really big takeaways um, what does Jesus centered mean to me it means different questions that I ask everyone I encounter uh, when I think about what it means to be a part of a community of people following Jesus and a different way of tracking and thinking about my own journey when Jesus is at the center instead of me. Thanks, everyone. Today's sermon is entitled Embodied Difference. This sermon is a, a little bit me and uh, a sermon delivered by my mentor and former teacher, uh, Dr. Loida Martell. Um, Dr. Martell is the Vice President of Academic Affairs and Dean at Lexington Theological Seminary. And I use her words, mixed with mine, with permission. So, embodied difference. I uh, remember when I was in college, I, I went down by the water with a old friend of mine. Well, we were actually becoming friends. Um, and it was late in the year during exams and we were done. And so we were just taking a minute just to, to get to know each other a little bit. And we started talking like folks all often do about who we thought we'd marry. And I had told her that I was okay if I married outside my race, that that would be fine, no big deal. But that I wanted to be open to love however it found me. And her response caught me off guard a little bit. And she looked at me really intensely and said, well, what, what about the children? How will they make friends? They won't have any. I could never do that to my children. And the um, intensity of the way she asked the question, the, just, just the comment of what, what about the children just kind of threw me. But she asked me again, don't you worry about your children? And I had to look at her. And I looked her right in the eye and I said, why should I worry about my children? Are you going to teach your children not to play with my children? And to that she had no response. Um, we were quiet for a while. See, kids aren't born um, knowing anything about our social hierarchies. We teach them that as parents and as society. And we teach that based on our prejudices, our biases, and they, the kids so quickly absorb the, this kind of nonsense of our lives. I believe as followers of Christ, I'm supposed to be a part of making this world a better place. I, I just believe that. And you call it naive, you can call it anything you want, but I own it because I believe that I can have that kind of impact in life. And so, Raising my kids differently, raising my kids and the influence that I have over them is a part of me making this world a better place, not just for them, but for generations. 
So her words told me a lot about her thinking, her beliefs. Um, now some can say that you know the words were harmless or they were just an expression of actual concern and people should be able to express their actual concern. But too often people try to, to hide behind what about the children? That's a question that we use to, to cover up our own discomforts when it comes to how we relate across race, gender orientation. Um, it sounded like a good argument to her at the time, but it showed me something, showed me who she was. Her immediate response was to look at the negatives associated with the descendants of differing heritages. Why would a white person want to relate intimately with someone considered other? And then produce something considered even more other, like their children. The harm, potential harm that does to them. It's her thinking. Today, People aren't as vocal about mixing races. And you know, that's a good thing because it's happening all over the place. But while folks have gotten used to seeing interracial couples and interracial kids or mixed race kids, we still associate negatives with our kids. Now this isn't a negative, but it's just the things that go off in people's heads. Sometimes our kids are seen as exotic and beautiful you know, my daughter, as an interracial or mixed race woman, is faced with that constantly, you know? Just the, that fact, and so she becomes this exotic thing that people want to touch and be near. Um, and so she's had to deal with that. Because, you know, it's cool when it's the mixed race and the uh, child comes out looking closer to white. You know, but what happens when uh, that child comes out and looks more like the darker complexed parent? Our country, our world is filled with these notions that the differences, mixed race and mixing Puerto Rican with white, Puerto Rican with black, or some other part of, or part of Latin America, Central America, Asian. There's a curiosity about it, but still we approach it hesitantly when we approach it honestly, not as an abstraction, not objectifying the people, but when we look at them as people, we struggle, we struggle just to see one another's people. Our children carry embodied within their physical bodies, social, economic, psychological, spiritual, and cultural histories of their parents. This is embodied difference. In much of the history of the world, difference did not lead to hope and understanding. Difference too often was seen or, or, or treat it with mistrust and weariness and sometimes even hate. And yet without difference, our hope for a world that truly celebrates diversity will never be realized. It won't materialize in ways that we can touch and see and feel good about it and be safe and have that sense of unity. But this isn't just an issue for the world. This is an issue for the Christian church. It's a pressing issue for the church, the body of Christ in the world. Too many Christians can't seem to understand the need for statements like Black Lives Matter. You know, when that said, somehow, some way, you see it in their faces, they want to say they gotta get out that, well, don't all lives matter? Yeah, all lives matter. Black lives matter right now more because black lives are under assault. The scripture clearly tells us that when, uh, um, I 
1 Corinthians 12, that we give honor to lesser members of our body, King James Version, right? We're not less, but we're under assault. We're, we are made to, 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 to feel threatened. And in that way, we are denied full participation, full inclusion in the world God created. And so scripture clearly says that those who are treated in that way wish to honor. Christ said, as you do it unto the least of these, you do it unto me. And the scripture tells us that we're supposed to honor those who are less. Honor, respect, love. Too many Christians struggle with the thought of including other races, other cultures, other orientations who identify in ways that vary from their perspective of what's normal. I once went to a, a church that had a deacon of assimilation, okay, deacon of assimilation. She came over and int introduced herself. She was warm. She was pleasant. She was welcoming, you know, and we just got into conversation. And then she let us know she was the deacon of assimilation. And within me, I, it just, it just something about her saying that and that like, really? It's like, no, thank you. I don't want any assimilation. You know, I don't want anything like that. I literally said, no, thank you. <laughs> she told me. That was her role. Uh, I was caught so off guard by that. You see, for me, that's in a clear message to me that this was a church that welcomed others when others were willing to conform to what the majority considered normal and their precedence about how God was to be thought of and worshiped. You see, this is a pressing issue for the church because Jesus lived his life, Jesus lost his life, and Jesus regained his life because Jesus loved a world filled with difference. And unfortunately, his church in America doesn't. And because Jesus' desire is for all creation to know and experience the salvation that comes through the way, he lived his life before his death and how he lived his life and is living his life after death, not separating, but uniting us together. He made of all the people, of all the difference, one body, his body. This is embodied difference. But for the church to be true body, a prophetic body, it must embody difference as Christ embodied difference himself. For the church has to do this for itself and for the world. Why? Because as Christ embodied difference while he was in the world, he continues to embody even more difference. As he was or is a part of the Trinity, the parent, the child, the spirit, so he also is a part of the body, the head of the body of Christ. And so he brings us together so that there is all of this embodied difference that make us the family of God. The church stands as a sign, as a sacrament about the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world and in the world. And the church is the call to all to be unified in Christ. This is embodied difference and it's good news. Now, Specifically, what is this good news? That God, that the God who created in diversity, he did this. When God created a tree, he didn't just create one tree, one kind of tree. He created the maple and the sycamore, the oak and the crepe myrtle. He created pear trees and apple trees. He created within particular categories of creation like trees, different kinds of trees, like frogs, different kinds of frogs. He created broadly in difference and then within each category in difference, with difference. 
This is the God who, through loving us to unity, has swept away the barriers of exclusion that we embrace. Our triune God, who is diversity in community God's self, has demonstrated the truth of God's diverse existence with the differences united in creation. Difference is not a problem for God, for it's God's salvific intent for all creation. Now, what do I mean by salvific intent? I mean that embodied difference would play a role in delivering humanity from what separates us. For where there is difference, listen, there is life and life abundantly. And God has called the difference good. There is no better expression of the inclusive nature of creation than when we read in the Psalms, the psalmist wrote, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It belongs to God and it reflects God. And God is the one who sent Jesus to embody difference before us in his being. Jesus sweeps away the barriers of inclusion and exclusion as he reaches out to those marginalized, made other, whether othered without resource or othered with resources. For to not exist in unity is to be othered and to live contrary to the intent and purposes of our God. Jesus welcomes all into a loving intimate, life-filled, diverse community, the kingdom of God. It's this God who offers life to a separated people who have created a fragmented world, you and I. Experiencing life in Christ is embodied difference, and it is the good news. When Mark was writing his gospel message, the early church struggled with its diversity. The growing number of Gentile Christians presented to the Jewish Christians who were the founders of the church, it was a challenge for them. Would the Jewish Christians accept the differences of their newest members or would they require them to be converted to Judaism? Would the would they be a church of embodied difference or a church that forced rules and rituals upon the Gentiles as a filter that determined who was in and who was out? A filter of exclusion. To reflect the image of God, to be diversity in community, the church had to accept the challenge of welcoming, being presenting welcoming inclusion. And praise be to God. That's what the church did. These are the issues that Mark addressed in his gospel in the seventh chapter. Um, verses 24 through 37 particularly. But to see these issues clearly as issues of, of embodied difference, we have to understand the context of the debate taking place in verses 1 through 23. I'm going to highlight uh, in this uh, just certain verses of this text to help us gain an understanding of what was taking place. Mark 7 verse 5. So the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. Jesus replied, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. For he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, and for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. Verse 10, Jesus said, for instance, Moses gave you a law from God. 
honor your father and mother. And everyone who speaks disrespectfully of father and mother must be put to death. But you say it's all right for people to say this to their parents. I'm sorry, I can't help you. For what I vowed, for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, Jesus said, you let them disregard their needy parents. And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example among many others. Verse 14. Then Jesus called to the crowd, come and hear. All of you listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes out from your heart. I want you to take some time in the course of this week to go over that seventh chapter of Mark prayerfully with the Holy Spirit as teacher and guide into all truth. Um, I want all of us to develop a deepening relationship with the Spirit to recognize, to learn, to deepen our recognition of God's voice in our lives. Because God knows how to get a message and understanding to us. I've experienced it in my own life, and I want you to. As I continue, Jesus' response in this debate establishes this important principle. There can be no embodied difference as long as there are rules for inclusion and exclusion. The debate went like this. Must a person prescribe to a certain ritual of law in order to be considered pure in the community and therefore be a bona fide member? The affirmation of such rules would imply that exclusion is divinely sanctioned. This is precisely what Jesus opposed. In a diverse community in which difference is respected, indeed, that finds difference a blessing and a gift from God. Privilege and exclusion cannot remain. Jesus turned their divine imperative of legalistic religiosity on its head. Jesus asserts in verses 20 through 21 that it is not what goes uh, from outside that determines a, purpose, a person's status before God, but rather what emerges from within. Dr. Martell says it this way, it's not individual acts, but the fruit of our very lives that serves as an indicator of how we stand before the Lord. Implicit in this response is the proposition. Now a proposition is an, assert, an assertion that expresses a judgment. So implicit in this response is an assertion that we human beings do not have all the appropriate criteria to determine who is in with God and who is out with God. We don't know all the rules. If what determines our inclusion in the community of God is what is in our hearts, scripture reminds us that only God knows the hearts of human beings. It's not human standards or our cultural standards that determine divine de decisions. It is the divine and God's divine standards that call us all to accountability. Remember that it is God who is diversity in community. It's God who's sovereign. The only God who calls us into community. None in God is to be left out. No life can be discarded or devalued. This is embodied difference. Because of this we face both hope and challenge. The hope. God's love exceeds all understanding, all boundaries, all prejudices, all rituals, all traditions, and all exceptions. God's love transcends the depth and length and width of human capacity. In God's awesome love, no one is declared unwelcome. For surely scripture says that the Lord would have everyone come to the knowledge, saving knowledge of Christ. 
all are welcome. So no one is dehumanized and made to be less because God demonstrated the value of all in entering the earth in the person of Jesus Christ, living a life before us that brought us back together, that modeled that bringing us back together, having the world rise up against all that he tried to do and kill him, and then him taking his life on up again and sharing it with us. In Jesus, all the boundaries and all the categories of exclusion have been swept away. This is good news, right? Now challenge. How can we be a body of difference? A holistic embodied difference that prophetically challenges our increasingly fractured world. How will we embody God's inclusive love for all the inhabitants of the world and for creation itself? How will we embody God's inclusive love? How can we express that love as God expressed it? indifference. To become such a church requires us to face our own fears and our biases, intentionally accepting the cost associated with letting go of favor and of how, if you're in the position of power, how looking at your life set determines what's normal and what isn't. Letting go of that and the favor that it offers so that opportunity is spread and we all can benefit from the potential that lives in everyone because that potential gets released because we develop a value for one another. To do this, there's some questions that we must ask ourselves and answer honestly. What categories of exclusion have we justified, lifted up and deified? Who have we left out of the table feast where forgiveness and redemption is freely given? Who have we said is unwelcome to this feast? Who have we exploited and made to feel invisible? Whose differences are we ignoring and suppressing? Majority rules? No. Need rules. Love rules. Hope rules. Faith rules. God is sovereign. In light of that hope and challenge, the Lord is inviting us to join him today, for this is the day of salvation. This is the day of salvation. This is the day of shalom. This is the day of redemption. This is the day of wholeness. We are reminded in Romans 12 that transformation comes as we renew our minds to these truths. And applying this transformation is our spiritual act of worship. Jesus himself embodied difference. Jesus was God made human, having both divine and human natures in one body. Jesus became local. In Jesus, he was Jesus of Nazareth in Galilee, born in a particular context to particular parents. He became a preacher and healer to a particular people. And still, as he preached to those particular people, his words were saved and they speak to us today. His words and actions hold universal meaning that's connected us to them and them to us. And centuries later, we experience difference even more so. In 
embodied indifference allows us to become healers in this world. An embodied community of difference that celebrates that all the ritualistic, cultural, biological, religious, and social boundaries of exclusion are swept away. Through the power of the Spirit, we are made one in God. God creating in diversity and God saving in diversity for our benefit, for our reflection of God and for God and for joy. This is who we are, Mosaic. We are embodied difference. And the children we have given birth to and the children yet to come will be that much stronger because we dare to embrace our differences. We are making something new. We are becoming a new creation in Christ. And while we don't see clearly the shape and the intricate details of our new form, we know this. We sense that God is with us, doing this new thing in us, God's self. And there is nothing, no germ-producing disease, no unjust principalities or powers. There is nothing that can stop what God is doing except you and me. Are you willing to be transformed and see what God will do in and through us? I'm willing. I desire to see that. I want, you know, Paul said, I want to know him and I want to know God fully. And I just, I see hope for us as we purposefully live our lives together. I see hope as it spills outside of the walls of our church into our community, as we get to know our neighbors, as we care for one another. We are embodied difference. And it makes all the difference in the world. May God bless us as we consider these words today and allow the truth to transform our hearts. Be blessed. Amen. Okay, I want to talk about uh, the way we can um, apply this to uh, what we've heard today the way we can um, actively engage in what God is doing. And so a couple of weeks ago, I invited the church to take one meal a week and turn over their plate, meaning fast. And during that meal time, the best one that works for you, to actually maybe go outside and walk and pray for, you, for your community, for our community, to pray for our country, to pray for our world, I invite you to this because it's one of these unique things that God has given the church to do and that our prayers matter, that God will hear our prayers and help our land. And so I will ask us to join in. Now I'm doing it on Thursdays, lunchtime, so I can walk in the community and pray. Please you know, know that you can join me at that time, or you are free to do it when it works for you, especially the prayer portion. Many of you have kids and things, so that if morning is the best time and you can sneak out, go for it. If lunchtime is, do that, or dinner. But let us pray for our country. Let us pray for our world and demonstrate our humility and understanding that the world needs us in prayer and in action and as God speaks to your heart and shares things with you that you think I need to hear please let me know I listen I'm not the great authority on everything the church God is giving me a particular role and one of the things that that I'm supposed to do in my particular role is listen to you so I'm here and I want to hear from you as, as you hear God speaking so be blessed as we continue our worship and know that God really is for us. He really is. She really is. They really are. Be blessed. Enjoy worship.
So this next song is a repeat of the first song we sang this morning, Jesus at the Center by Israel Houghton. And I would encourage you this time around to let the song take on new meaning um, based on what Pastor Angel has taught us today and what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives because of it. I encourage you to use this time to um, let the worship engulf you, engulf your spirit in your mind, and for you to find out what this song means to you because of what has been said today. Um, let um, you know, your words and your thoughts during this next worship se section um, just exude Jesus and, and let him move into the center of your life.
So thank you uh, for joining us today in our first fully recorded service. So um, it has been an interesting work. So even like yesterday, I had to record some things that kind of got lost in the mail. So, but we're moving forward with this and God is with us. Um, I want to remind you uh, that we are continuing to turn over our plates. Please do that. Um, and we will get a new date for our scavenger hunt. I am so bummed that we didn't get to spend time together today. I was so looking forward to seeing everyone. So as soon as we can, we'll look at the schedule and make sure we can put it in the optimum time uh, so we can get together and have, have some fun. Um, and that's it for announcements. Uh, so let's pray in closing for our benediction. There is a reason that I love the doxology in Ephesians 3.20. We, the church, are given this unique privilege and opportunity to speak to the world, not just with our words, but how we are, how we live life together. Uh, in the earlier verses, verse 10, God said that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the principalities and the powers that exist. That God would make the unity of the church stand out so much that it would speak this message of hope, that it would speak, our existence speaks the good news. And so I want to close with these words because God is able. And I don't care what you're going through today, where you are in the face of this earth, God sees you. God hears you, and God's word says he'll make a way for us to rescue us, to help us escape bad situations. So look to Jesus, right? Scripture says in verse, uh, chapter 3 of Ephesians, verse 20, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or dare to think. To Christ be glory in the church now and forevermore, a world without end. And so we look to God, who is our hope, that he would glory in the way we live our, our lives. Lord, thank you so much for this day, our time to worship with you. We thank you, Lord, that you, we can lift up hands that you have made holy because we have a heart that you have made change from, from stone to flesh. So much has happened in this week, Father, and many of us are grieving the injustices that are taking place. I pray that you would keep us through your spirit. I pray that you would renew our hope in you and our love. Lord God, I pray for our country. Lord, as we seem to be rending at our very seams, but you've allowed some of us to receive training that says just before change comes things rattle and quake and it looks like everything's going to fall apart and then the breakthrough and so father i'm believing in the name of jesus for the breakthrough for our country and that lord you told us not to faint and so we refuse to faint we believe jesus we believe you are the healer of the world the savior of the world and so we stand in faith looking for you because we believe you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or dare to think dare to dream because we believe you thank you for your love bless every household father that is viewing this service i pray for peace for security from COVID, Lord, for healing of the physical body, Lord, for financial rescue for those that need it, Lord. Help us to be sensitive to one another and to look at what you've given us and how we might share it with others. We bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen. So, bye-bye. You guys be have a wonderful Sunday and be good to each other. And we'll see you next week. Remember, there's the prayer feature where you can list any prayer request, and we're going to jump right on that and pray for you. Um, if you want to reach out to us, you can reach us um, through uh, our contacts. I'm angel at mosaicphiladelphia.org, and um, 
we want to be here for you. We are an extended family because we're touching the globe. So as you have need, we're here. See you later. God bless. Bye-bye.